Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Welcome everyone joining us today at all of our campuses and especially you who are joining us online. And let's give a big shout out to our men and women serving in our military. We love you. It's also great to be here with everyone on our Gardens campus. Well, you can tell it's just about the right time of the year. We've endured all these other sports so now football can begin. You know what I'm talking about? Season is about to begin. You can smell it in the air. I mean, this time of the year, you smell the fresh cut grass. We're getting the grass ready, getting the fields ready, getting the locker rooms ready, getting the playbooks ready, getting the coaches ready, getting everything ready. But the most important thing, of course, is obviously, is getting the team ready. Getting the team ready to embrace a new season. And that's exactly the message God's put on my heart for us this weekend at Christ Fellowship God wants to take us into a new season of life and we've got to get ready for it. We've, we've got to be prepared. The mantra of every coach in every locker room at every level is the same. And I promise you, if you go into any locker room on any high school level, college level, or pro level, somewhere you will see this phrase. Preparation is the key to victory. Preparation is the key to victory because this is when we're preparing. I'm so excited, finally we're getting a little football and the training camps are kicking off. And of course, you know, one of our own coaches from right here, uh, Doug Peterson is coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, so we're rooting for Jacksonville. We're praying Miami has a resurrection and of miracles that happened down there, but we're also praying for our Jacksonville food because it's one of our own, Coach Doug Peterson. And, and training camp has started and I'm, I'm tuned in trying to watch everything and, and catch up on it because I just live for this season to get cranked up. <laughs> right out of uh, college, Don and I had finished our graduate school work and came out of college and came down to Florida. And I got my first coaching job at Palm Beach Gardens High School. And there was a young AD there by the name of Mickey Neal. And Mickey Neal somehow believed in me and saw potential in me. And uh, because Palm Beach Gardens was a, a new school, had only been playing football for a few years, they uh, never had a winning season yet. And so I had, I had the challenge of coming in and turning that program around from losing to winning. And with a lot of great talent that we had, a great coaching staff that we had, great support from our administration, and my principal was Ed Easy. And for you that ever grew up in Palm Beach County, we all know Dr. Ed Easy. He claims to have raised all of us if you were anywhere around Ed Easy. But because of all that support, within three years, we turned that losing program into the number one team in the state with three great winning seasons, amen? And it's really interesting when I look back on that and look back on what we had to do to get the mindset changed, to shake off kind of the past history that we had to deal with in losing and get people to start thinking more like champions and instead of like being defeated. And then we had to practice new disciplines. We had, we had to put into practice new disciplines in our life so that we'd be ready to embrace this new life. So as I was studying for this and, and God kind of birthed this thought on us about what we needed to teach this weekend, I, I, 
I, I couldn't help but go back to a team that had 40 straight losing seasons before they turned it around. Think about it, 40 straight losing seasons before they turned it around and then finally stepped into a new season of life and found success and victory in their lives. All right, so we're gonna learn some principles from that team that went on a 40-year losing streak. Oh, have mercy. All right, somebody over here, I'm gonna throw this football. This is a um, NFL football signed by Anthony Munoz, who Hall of Famer in 1998, played for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was a lineman. Tony's been to our church, signed this football for me. I've got a torn rotator cuff in the right shoulder, so I'm gonna push the ball that way. Okay, good, here we go, all right, here we go. All right, I want you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter one, the book of Joshua chapter one. It's the sixth book in your Bible. Joshua, this young leader who was the understudy of Moses, the great leader that led the children of Israel out of 400 years of bondage, and took them towards the promised land. But you know what happened? They got to the promised land. They doubted that they could conquer the promised land and because of their doubt and their fear, it held them back from stepping into what God had prepared for them in this new land that we know today as Israel. So after 40 years of wandering aimlessly through the desert, God speaks to Joshua, let's pick up the story. Here we go. I'm amazed I can still read this fine print in my Bible. Here we go, okay. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now here, he had to tell him that because God took Moses up on a mountain by himself and the Lord had a private burial service for his servant Moses. No one knew Moses was gone. They just knew he was up on the mountain, but he would do that. Remember, Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days, had the 10 commandments, came back down, went back up on the mountain. So this was kind of normal for Moses to go off and be gone for periods of time. And no one knew where he was, but they knew he was meeting with God. Now the word the Lord says, by the way, uh, this was his final exit. He's, he's come to be with me. And where was I? Here we go. Moses, servant is dead. Now, now then, you and all these people, here we go, the two words I want you to focus on, here they are, get ready. All these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you to, uh, to them and to the Israelites and I will give you every place where you set your foot. And as I have proclaimed for Mo to Moses, promise Moses, your territory will extend from the deserts to Lebanon and from the Hittite country and to the great sea on the west. And no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you and I will never leave you nor will I never forsake you. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to give to their forefathers to give to them. Be strong and very courageous and be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left 
that you may be successful wherever you go. Hello, underline that. Do not let, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And the church said, amen. All right, here we go. Now, what I believe is that we can, we can take some wonderful life principles from the teaching of God's word. Every part of God's word is relevant to us today because truth was truth in that day and truth is the same truth in this day. Truth does not change. Culture changes, the ideas of man change, the values of man change, but the truth of God is eternal. And that's why we can build our lives on the truth of God and his promises of his holy word. So here's the first thing that I see in that get ready that they had to do. 40 years they had been wandering in the wilderness and they had all that dust on them from their past. All the disappointments, all the failures, all the anticipations that were not filled. And most of them, I promise you, if not all, had given up hope and they were just existing, waiting for the next day. Can I make it through to the next day? And then the word comes, get ready. I've got something new for you. I've got something exciting for you. I got something that I've been preparing for you and I've even, I told your forefathers about it. It is gonna be a land flowing with milk and honey. It is gonna have everything you ever dreamed about in this new land that I have for you that's gonna enrich your life, but you've gotta get ready for it. And so the first thing I see that they had to do was and they had to shake off the dust of that desert. Can you imagine 40 years the same thing and their diet was the same thing? Every morning, they had what looked like bread out there from the dew was formed and this manna type stuff. And then, then a herd of quail would fly in and die. They would eat roadkill for 40 years, they ate roadkill. I mean, literally, the birds, the quail would fly in and boom, die. Here we go, go gather them up. And here they're living on that. They don't have a chance to put down any roots or establish anything. They're just kind of existing, going through there. One thing that I remember telling the team, uh, Coach Neal, uh, when we were taking over, I remember said, one guy, I said, guys, do not let our past seasons define us for what this season is going to be, because things are going to change. Things are about to change. We got to shake off the past so we can embrace the future, amen? I heard someone was reminding me this week that a great theologian, Taylor Swift, <laughs> said something about that, like you gotta shake it off. I don't know what that, what she's shaking off, but I'll tell you what you need to shake off. You need to shake off those past pain, that past hurts, and all the past failures that are still trying to hang on to you, shake those off. Turn to somebody and say, I'm gonna shake it off. I'm gonna shake it off, yes. I'm gonna shake it off. 
There's one thing I know, the enemy of our soul, he wants us to hold on to everything of our past that's painful because he can keep us enslaved with that. I wanna remind you of something. Jesus came not only to forgive us of our sins and our past, but Jesus also declares, I will remember your sins no more. What a promise. Our sins are forgiven, canceled, and they're blotted off the record. So who keeps bringing up the record of the past to you in your mind, in your life? It's not from the Spirit of God, it's from the spirit of the enemy of your soul. We're not letting our past define us. And if anybody had to fight about this, it would have to have been the Apostle Paul. Remember, he was the one that set out to persecute the church. His persecutions led to the death of many of the early followers of Jesus Christ, including the first martyr, Stephen, that we have recorded in the book of Acts. And yet Paul says to the church at Philippi, he says this, I love what he says. He said, I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now I've got to strain to do this. I've got to be disciplined to do this. I've got to press past my history and my past that's trying to hold me. I, I've, I've got to forget it. I've got to shake it off. I've got to discard it and I've got to move on to embrace what God has for me. My goodness gracious, if Paul could do it with all that he did, we can too through the help and the grace and the strength of God. And here's two things that I know that are, are critical. We have to be willing to deal with any unforgiveness in our lives. That's one of the biggest snares of the enemy is unforgiveness. We've been hurt so deeply, disappointed so deeply, we have been failed so deeply that we carry that with us and with that we carry unforgiveness. And yet, what does the Word of God say? In Colossians 3.13, Paul reminds us, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Here's all I know, we are to forgive and then release the offender into the hands of God for God's judgment on them but we can't keep carrying the offense on us because it becomes a heavy weight that will drag you down and rob you from crossing over into the new life and season God has for you. And that's hard, that's hard. You know another thing is some people are stumbling over, they can't forgive themselves. But yet we have to learn that in Christ Jesus, our old is gone and behold, everything has become new. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Paul writes in, into the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and I think it reads like this. Therefore, if, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation has come, the old is gone and the new is here. Praise God. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the person I used to be. I am new in Christ Jesus. I have been forgiven, 
My sins have been canceled. I am no longer held accountable by that. By the way, I don't have to carry the dust of the, my past with me into the new season God has for me. No, I'm gonna shake it off. And lighten up. I promise you, they had accumulated some junk in that desert they had to get rid of, because now they're gonna go to a new life. So some of you have been dragging around stuff with you. Just, hey, 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 let go of that stuff so you can take up the new things that God has waiting for you in your life, amen? All right, that's principle number one. Shake it off. We're gonna embrace this new life. Sometimes it gets hard, though, to tear away from those old things. I remember, <laughs> crazy story. My first coaching job at Gardens High School, we, uh, in our very first game, I'm gonna coach now. I, I'm all psyched up, trying to get them psyched up for this first game. We're gonna go out, we're gonna win this friend. Well, we're playing the team, Suncoast High School, who had beat us the year before, 68 to nothing. Okay, now that's, that's a pretty sound whipping right there. No matter what, you can't, you know, that's more like a basketball score. They, they beat us 68 to nothing. So I don't know where we came up with this idea, but we came up with the idea, we were gonna make up this sign on an old bed sheet that had Suncoast in green letters, big six, eight on it, dash, and little Palm Beach Gardens in little small letters and a small zero, and claim that someone threw that sheet and, and left it on our practice field. And we happened to find it, and we posted it in the locker room. Now, isn't that a dumb idea? I mean, that's stupid, but all the coaches thought it was a great idea. So here we got this sheet hanging up in the locker room as a reminder how bad we've been beaten last year by this team. That's kind of negative, actually, when I think about it now. Why'd we do that? But I had this plan. Right before the game, I'm gonna run out, give this big motivational speech to take the field, then I'm gonna rip the sheet off the wall and tear it up in pieces because we're gonna go out there and tear Suncoast up today. Ah, well, it didn't work quite that way. <laughs> I, I, I even had the coach, Coach Neal, I think I had you or one of the coaches go out and actually take a pair of scissors and fray the edges of the sheet because you know, a sheet has got that little, it can be hard to tear real quick. I mean, I'm young, I'm right out of college, I'm in great shape, I'm very fit, I'm very strong, I'm ready to go, but I didn't wanna leave anything to happen chance. So I don't know who did that, but whatever they did, they didn't do it right. <laughs> so I go out, I get all fired up, we're gonna go out, we're gonna tear Suncoast up today, we're gonna rip them to shreds, and I said, I'm sick and tired of this sign. I turned around and grabbed it, when I grabbed it, I made a major mistake. I folded over the edges of it. <laughs> now so I said, we're going to just We're going to just tear it. So I didn't know what to do, so I decided to try to bite it, to try to get a tear in the sheet so I could rip it. But I forgot. My four front teeth had been knocked out. And I had a little temporary partial plate in there. It wasn't even wired in. So when I bit the sheet, my teeth fell out. 
Now, can, hey, hey, can you imagine if you're the player in the room? We can't even rip the sheet in part and we're gonna beat Sun Coast High. And the coach's teeth just fell out. Oh my gosh. Oh no, I'm in panic mode. I, I, I just gotta find my teeth. So I'm, I'm throwing things around trying to find my teeth. Suddenly I hear this noise coming from the back of the room of the locker room where the players are sitting. And it was a young player by the name of Mark Cristaldi and he comes running. He's making all these crazy noises like a wild dog. He goes running up. He's charging me and I'm here. I'm just finding my teeth. Where's my teeth? Next thing I know, he pounces on the, on the sheet and starts ripping it with his teeth and he starts ripping it apart. And then the other players go, ha, ha. They jumped on. They start, ha, ha. Where's my teeth? Where's my teeth? I found my teeth, hallelujah. I'm standing with my teeth in my hand, four front teeth missing in the thing. Let, let's go get them, gang. <laughs> While we were playing the game, it's really funny. I was standing there, I went to put this player in the game. I said, son, I want you to go in. He, oh, by the way, by the way, first of all, that's the most important thing. I grabbed Mark Cristaldi, that was this boy that charged first and rescued the whole moment. I said, son, he was about third string at that time. I said, son, you're starting tonight. You're, you're starting tonight. You, you just saved me and our season right here. He had three sacks. He had about four, four, four or five more tackles. Had the game of his life. He was the hero of the game. So I'm sitting there in the middle of the game, we're, we're playing the game, and I grab this one player and I said, hey, 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 get in, get in. He said, coach, I can't go in. I said, why not? He said, I don't have a piece of the thing. I said, a piece of what thing? I, I don't know, I forgot about what I was doing. Now. We're playing the game. Well, what I didn't know is the players had torn that, that sheet up that had that 68 to nothing on it. They tore it up and they all took a piece of it and they stuck it in their pants, tied it on their face mask. They all had it on their person. This guy didn't have one. A guy standing right beside him had one tied to his face mask. I jerked it off his face mask, gave it to him and said, get in the game, boom. Oh, by the way, we killed Suncoast that night. Yeah. Whoop, whoop, dad is, whoop, whoop, dad is. We put the smack daddy on him. As Paul Harvey would say, now for the rest of the story. <laughs> Not only do we have to shake off and tear up the old things of the past to move into the new things that God has for us, but we've gotta also, the new season requires a new focus. We, we've gotta have a new focus. We've gotta get our focus onto the right things and off of the wrong things. And one of the greatest ways I know to do that, to start thinking like the champion that God's created us to be is that we grab God's playbook and we study the playbook. One thing that we did with our players, uh, I don't know that they'd ever had a formal playbook before we took over that first year, Coach Neal, but we put together a playbook and a nice binder. We had all the plays we're gonna run on offense, all the defensive schemes, all the specialty team plays, 
We had uh, all kind of fundamental coaching points, fundamental techniques, everything was in the playbook. And we said, listen, treat the playbook like your Bible, study it and you'll know how to handle every situation you face when you come into a ball game. Then we would have game plans for every game. We studied our opponent. We knew what their tendencies were. We knew their strengths and their weaknesses. So we built our game plan around their strengths and weaknesses, and we were gonna take our strengths against their weaknesses. And we were gonna shore up our weaknesses against their strengths to be prepared and ready to go. And so that's what gave us a, a formula for victory. And when they started realizing we have the formula if we'll apply it for victory, it changed everything. They started to believe. After that first game, we won that game. We won our next game, won our next game, won our next game, next game, next game, next game. Next game. We just kept winning. And the more you win, the more confident you are about the next challenge you'll face in life that you can win there as well. God wants us to have a winning mindset. And so he says to us, be transformed in, in Romans chapter 12, verse two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we get our minds renewed by the playbook, God's holy word. I found it to help you to be successful when you apply the principles and precepts of his word in every aspect of your life. It works. I told you a story before when I, uh, after I left Palm Beach Gardens High, and went back to my alma mater, Georgetown College, Don and I did, and I took the uh, coaching job up there and then I eventually became head coach of Georgetown College and a uh, reporter came in to interview me and he was asking me questions of what was, you know, what was the secret to our success for winning and all the things, because I'd been blessed at every level to win. And he says, I said, well, I have an ancient playbook. And I just run the plays that that ancient playbook shows me to run, and when I do that, I win. And he said, really? I said, yeah. And I picked up my Bible. He said, well, I'd like to see it. And I said, well, here it is. I'll show it to you right here. Boom, I'll show it to you. It's right here, the playbook. When we understand the, the promises of God and the purposes of God for our life, Here's the bottom line. When we run the play the way God ordained the play to be run, we will win. What did God say to Joshua? Joshua, be attentive to my word, keep your life aligned with my word, and you will be successful whatever you do. Don't let the word of God depart from you. Let its principles guide you. Let its promises encourage you. Notice how many times God promised Joshua. I'll not leave you, I'll not forsake you, I'll be with you every place you put your foot. I'm gonna give you everywhere and, and listen, align your life with my word and you will be successful, God said to Joshua. And that's true for us today. When we align ourselves with God's word, that's the key for us. And when we focus on his promises that he's given us, there's something like in the New Testament alone, I think are, are something like 900 promises of God. For every situation you're facing, there's a promise that God has for you. And when you focus on the promise instead of the problem, guess what happens? You then make the adjustments you need to make to align yourself with the word. When you align yourself with the word, you position yourself now for God to bless you and to guide you and to give you wisdom 
and, and to help you know how to navigate this challenging situation in your life. The word is critical. And finally this, the final thing was I noticed in this story that was so great is before this time, it had always been Moses and his staff or his rod that led the way. Moses parted the waters of the Red Sea. Moses struck the rock and water came out. It was Moses and his staff. But this point when he says, all right, get ready to take this new land I have for you, it was different. Now it was all about team. It started with the team of the priests taking the Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't Joshua leading the way as one man. It was now they were unified as a team. And now the priests are carrying the Ark. They came, stepped at the edge of the Jordan River at flood stage. It parted and the priests went out and stood in the middle while the people took into the land. And it wasn't Joshua that marched around the city of Jericho. It was the children of Israel united as a team around the, uh, Jericho as a team and the walls fell. From this point forward, God said, I want you to team up with my people for my purposes and I will display my power in your life when you do that. And now they had, listen, to conquer that land, they had over 23 battles they had major battles in order to conquer that land and they did it together. Listen, I wanna tell you right now, the key to our lives and taking the new season of our life is found in our ability to team up together around the things of God. That's why I love the church. Because God's church is God's design for us to be a part of his team that's impacting eternity. I love these verses. Pastor Todd uses these all the time when he defines the church. He said the church in Ephesians 1.23 is the body of Christ. Now notice this where God speaks, acts, and fills everything with his presence. Don't you want to be here every opportunity we have to hear God speak, to hear God, to have God move and act on our behalf, and that God fill us with his presence. Parents, we should have our kids here. They should never miss a Sunday or a midweek time. You, you want them around God's spirit in his church where God's speaking, moving, and filling. I want my kids involved there. Our kids were never given an option about church. What? There's no option about church. That's the most important thing in their lives. Hey, I had Todd playing little league sports from the time he was big enough to hold a ball but it never interfered with what the most important thing for Todd in his development as a young man was being in the house of God. Because I knew that was gonna form his life, his character, his spiritual nature. That was the most important thing being formed. Football and all the other things and learning how to be a part of a team and going through that is just, that was secondary to that. We need to get back where it is primary. The church is primary. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 1.22. The church is to be the central focus in our lives. It's the central focus. Why? Because that's where God is speaking, God is moving, and God is filling everything with his presence. Wow. Stop the thing about it. Every good thing that's ever happened in my life came through the church. I met my wife in the church. We raised our kids in the church. We've met our lifelong friends in the church. Through the church, I've experienced the world. 
I've been blessed beyond measure. I tell you this all the time. I'm one of the richest men you've ever met. Not because of my bank account, it's because of the relationships I've been blessed with in life through you, through you, through the church. I know this, we mentioned this earlier in our service here on the Gardens campus, but our church mission is very simple. We wanna help you know God, grow in your relationship with God and your family. By the way, you know, when it comes to the end of our lives, that's the only two things that matter. My relationship with God and my relationship with my family, that's all that matters. We're the only institution that that's our top focus. There's no other institution out there that's trying to build up these two areas in your life, which are the only two areas that matter because they're eternal. These relationships are eternal. So we want you to know God. We want you to grow in your relationship with God and grow with your family. We want you to discover your purpose and we want you to impact your world for Christ. That is what we're calling you to do. Pastor Todd, about a year or so ago, preached a great message on getting planted in the house of God. I still remember it because you had all these plants up here and you said, some of you are potted, we gotta get planted. I remember that, son, it was a great message. So here's my closing challenge to you today. You really wanna step into the new season God has for you? You gotta shake off the stuff of the past. You gotta release it. Understand you're forgiven, everything's been canceled, so let's walk in that new newness of life. You've gotta transform the mind, you've gotta get in the playbook and start aligning your life up with that playbook. I'll tell you what, people wanna know, you know, Don and I have been married 58 years, what's the secret to your marriage? I'll tell you what the secret is, Jesus. And us aligning our life with his word, his principles, his precepts, and we practice those in our marriage and our relationship, it works. It makes a difference. And we've been teamed up with the church. Get planted. I love this verse of scripture. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. And then to simply be all in. Make a commitment that I'm all in. And when you do that, God will strengthen you. Here's what the scripture says in 2 Chronicles. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout all the earth to strengthen those hearts that are fully committed to him. There's a new season about to begin. God's calling you to step into it. We're gonna step out of some old things. We're gonna step into this new season. And it all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you join me in a time of prayer? Father, as we pray today, we're praying for you to help us to see and understand the depth of your love for us and your desire for us to step into this new season of life you have waiting for us. Through your grace and your power and your strength, help us, God, to step out of the old things, forgive, give forgiveness where we need to give it, let go of any unforgiveness that we have. Help us to take up your word and align our lives with it and help us, Lord, to team up with the church and be committed, Father, this is a central priority because we know this is where you speak, where you move, where you fill everything with your presence. Lord, this morning, we also wanna pray for those that may not know Jesus as their personal savior. 
And for you that are joining in online and all of our campuses and here at Gardens, in this moment, Jesus can become so real and personal to you when you open up your heart and your life to him. The Bible says if you will believe in your heart and make that confession with your mouth, at that moment, an inner transformation takes place. Christ comes in, forgives you of your sins, and you walk in the newness of life. If that's your desire today, I wanna ask you to pray this prayer with me, and let's all join in it, but you who are praying this for the first time, I want you to pray a little bit louder. Just simply pray, dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my life. I pray that you will come into my heart, forgive me of all my past and my sins. And from this day forward, I commit to live for you and serve you with all my heart. I seal this commitment in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's celebrate those that have made that decision today. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.